Hello and welcome to a very special edition of the Odds Checker podcast. Normally we're covering the Champions League, but for the first time ever we are looking at domestic football and it's just me and one guest and what a guest we have for this bonus podcast, Michael Cox. I am joined by... Hi Michael. Hi George. Um, Michael, as you, as you will probably know, is at Zonal Marking on Twitter. A huge, huge following who I'm expecting, as ever, will come at me when I disagree with any of Michael's opinions today. I still get notifications from about two years ago when I tweeted stuff I disagree with and he tells me I'm wrong. So uh, looking forward to how this is going to go. Um, we're going to go, we're going to look at three games, probably the three biggest games in Europe this weekend. And we're going to go from back to front, really. So start with the last game of the three. And what a massive game it is. The Manchester derby, United against City at Old Trafford. And things have changed in the last month or so, Michael. A bit of a, a, bit of a shift in, uh, between the two teams and how they've been playing. Yeah, definitely. I think this time last month, we probably thought City were going to run away with the league. Um, and it's funny to think that we've revised our opinions considering they haven't actually dropped any points. But rather than get, uh, winning games 4-0, 5-0, it's been one-goal victories, often quite late, often quite fortunate circumstances. Um, so this game is maybe uh, more finely balanced than we would have expected a few weeks ago. And a lot's been said about City's form recently, and they've got a lot of praise, I'd say, for, for the late goals they've scored, scored normally, Raheem Sterling. Um, but surely they've got to be concerns. I mean, obviously, the loss to Shakhtar yesterday, you can probably put a line through because of the team they selected. But they haven't been winning at halftime um, since the 5th of November. Um, in the four games before that Shakhtar game, they were level uh, 80 to, uh, in the 82nd minute and then went on to score late goals. Do we see that as a strength or do we think going into this game there has been a drop-off in form? Yeah, I'd be a little bit worried, I think, um, especially because a couple of goals have been quite fortunate. Um, I do think there's a little bit of fatigue setting in. I mean, Guardiola hasn't rotated much in the first few months of the season. I think Silva and De Bruyne have started every league game. And the system is really based around them. We haven't really seen what they do when those two don't start. Um, And I, I do just think it's more difficult to constantly play good football at this time of the year you know it's something that Gary Neville who obviously has won seven eight Premier League titles makes a lot of he says you know often the United started the season well ended the season well but going through those winter months it's just difficult the fatigue sets in you know the temperature drops you get lots of uh, matches over Christmas so everyone's kind of knackered going into January and I think we're just seeing the start of that I mean City do have great players who can come in they've had Bernardo Silva and Ilkay Gundogan on the bench for almost every Premier League game this season so if those players are needed you think they'll probably sustain the form but I think the system's so specific and so based around De Bruyne and Silva that if those two aren't playing or indeed if they're not quite on top form um, maybe they'll struggle a little bit and David Silva, who you mentioned, who obviously was the saviour for them against West Ham uh, he looks set to be at least a doubt I mean, how you, as you mentioned, their system is so ingrained. They do have players who can come in. Do we expect it to be silver for silver? Do we expect it to be Gundogan coming in? How do you see them, them, them changing for the, for the United game? Yeah, personally, I've got a, a doubt over the doubt, if you like. <laughs> I feel like this might have been hammed up a little bit ahead of the Manchester derby. I think Mourinho has, has said the same thing. Um, personally, I'd expect it to be Gundogan. Um, Bernardo Silva's clearly a wonderful player. Don't think he's quite settled and, and his cameo performances so far haven't been overwhelmingly convincing. I think Gundogan's more experienced. He's a little bit more defensive, a little bit more solid, which City might need in this fixture. Um, but I do think that David Silva, there's a good chance he'll start. And, you know, I think the battle in midfield between him and Herrera and then De Bruyne and Matic will be really what decides the game. And and determines whether City, I'm sure they'll dominate possession, but determines whether they'll, you know, uh, get the ball into the final third and create good chances. And the person finishing off that chance is, do we expect that to be to be Aguero rather than rather than Jesus? 
I'm not sure about this one, to be honest, because Aguero hasn't been in great form. Uh, his last five matches, he scored two goals. They've both been penalties. I thought last week against West Ham, when City really struggled, probably the worst they've played in the league this year, it was really notable how much Aguero didn't contribute to link play and, and build-up play. And I do wonder whether Guardiola might throw in Gabriel Jesus for this one. The fact that he started, the fact that Jesus started uh, in the Champions League, suggests probably Aguero will come in. Uh, and retake his place but just to give United a little bit of a surprise I wouldn't be surprised if um, if Jesus did start you, you wouldn't be surprised if United are surprised yes I, I like that. Yeah. <laughs> let's, let's hope yeah. they have second guest as well um, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think I agree with that. I think that the, the rumours are already starting to come around about Sanchez and January. Um, and I think that's fairly indicative of, of the fact that Pep will never be fully won over by, by Aguero. Um, but looking at United now and, you know, that win against Arsenal, I do think, although Arsenal obviously had a lot of chance in that game, I think that did signify a change of tact from, from Mourinho. But surely we're expecting him to revert back to his usual tactics against uh, top six teams here. Yeah, I think they'll be quite defensive um, for the majority of the game. I feel like they might start a little bit of a high tempo and press high up the pitch. That's what they did against Arsenal. They, well, they probably closed them down early Yeah, on. definitely. And if you think back to those classicos between Mourinho and uh, Guardiola, Real obviously ended up parking the bus, but they often started a really high tempo, tried to force mistakes in the opening 10 minutes before City had really settled. I think when you look at City's uh, centre-back combination, it's likely to be Company and Mangala. Not sure they've been uh, on top form individually, and I'm not sure they've got much of a relationship either. And they're certainly not as good on the ball as uh, John Stones is. So, you know, you wonder whether United can cause problems with that with that high press in the early stages. But I'm not sure United will press for the whole game. Uh, I think doing that against the City side will be very dangerous. Just be picked off eventually. And you said you've got doubts about whether or not uh, David Silva will actually be out of the game. I think we can all agree that the Paul Pogba will be because um, because of the red card. Uh, in my opinion, he benefited a great deal from his injury in terms of reputation, in terms of, of how much he actually did for United. He did look fairly good when he came back, but I'm not talking this one down as a massive negative for United. I mean, do, do you agree with that? Or do, do you think they're going to miss his, his uh, kind of genius in midfield? Yeah, I disagree and agree. I disagree slightly on how well he played last season. I think he was pretty good and was doing all right before the injury. But I agree in the sense he might not be a great loss because I think this game of all games, United have got to be so disciplined in front of the back four. You know, I've never really seen a team play like City are with, with Silver and De Bruyne, two number 10s tucked into the, those midfield positions. So I think the two that United need here is Matic up against De Bruyne, um, tracking him closely. De Bruyne will probably drift uh, wide, I think, to get away from him. And Herrera, who's you know, shown himself to be a good man marker in the past, up against David Silva if he starts, or maybe Bernardo Silva. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, with, with Pogba, I expect he would have played the more advanced role, but Jesse Lingard's in great form, and he's, he's a more disciplined player than Pogba. Um, he's very good on the counter-attack. He scored a couple of, well, a great goal at Watford, and then played very well against Arsenal as well. Dodgy celebration, though, when he scores, I think. Yeah, it's, it's a shame, <laughs> yeah. Well, against Watford, it was odd, because he scored a wonderful goal, and then really confused by the celebration. And yeah. Lingard's a player who sometimes I'm not sure what he does, but he, you know, expect him to have his celebration formulated. You'd you have thought so, and he certainly is in the goals at the moment. Um, a player who isn't in the goals, despite getting on the score sheet in Europe, is Romelu Lukaku. Although, I mean, I, I thought that's the best I've seen him play in a non-goal scoring capacity against Arsenal. He really led the line well and, and dragged the defenders all over the place. Um, 
it's often been leveled at him that he's a bit of a flat trap bully. His record for Everton against Man City was actually very good. Um, surely United looking to him now to prove that he can be that striker who can lead the line and, and you know, send them to, to victories in, in games like this. Yeah, I agree completely. I think he's been playing quite well despite the lack of goals. And I think, you know, from the nature of his performances, it's almost like he's seen he isn't scoring. So he's realised he's got to contribute more in deeper positions. I kind of fancy him and Martial to get something out of this game in terms of uh, on the counter-attack against Company, who I think is, you know, very immobile and has struggled against really quick players. And Mangala, who I don't think is quite as bad as some people make out, but, you know, there's definitely a mistake in him. Um, so, yeah, assuming United are going to play the kind of 5-3-2 system they've played, um, I think those two really will cause problems on the counter-attack. So looking to uh, give the listener some kind of betting angles as well. You mentioned that you fancy those two to maybe get on the score sheet. Lukaku is 15 to 8 with Paddy Power or Betfair to score in any time in the game. And Anthony Martial is around about the 5 to 2 mark with the same firm's best prices on odds checker. What else, are you, what else are you expecting here? How do you expect the, the games to go? Well, to go back to a familiar theme, I've got quite a specific bet. I really think company could struggle in this game. He's 7-4 to four, um, to be shown a card, which I think against the pace of Martial and Lukaku and knowing the way that company plays, he always, uh, he always wants to get tight. Um, and I don't really think has the mobility to turn and get back into his position. And, you know, the way City play high up the pitch kind of invites defenders to, to make tactical fouls if they feel they're a bit out of position. So, uh, yeah, I, I do think Comedy has a mistake in him, but I think he generally uh, tries to cover for it with a foul, as he did against Vardy recently and was lucky not to get a red. Well, I mean, I agree with that. I think I mentioned how Pogba um, benefits from being out, and I think the same thing happens with Company. I think every time he, he, he can't play for whatever reason, people forget that he's not the player he once was. Um, two to one, that is, with Betfair and Paddy Power as well. So if you, if you fancy Michael's tips, they're the, they're the places to go there. Two to one, best price. Uh, Vincent Company to be shown a card in the Manchester derby. I must say, I would have thought that was probably an odds-on shot as well. Moving on now to another derby, no less vicious. Uh, we're going to Anfield for the Liverpool-Everton game, which I think is the second kickoff on Sunday. Jurgen Klopp, a lot has been made about his record um, in this match. He has a 100% record against Everton. Um, again, a month ago, I remember listening to, um, to 606 and listening to loads of Liverpool fans calling, asking for Klopp's head. 7-0 last night in the, in the Champions League, top of their group, um, back in the top four, all pretty rosy at the moment. Yeah, definitely. And I think people forget how um, how negative people were about Liverpool when Klopp took over. You know, obviously Rodgers had that great season where he nearly won the league. The season after that was pretty disastrous and they started um, the subsequent season in terrible form. I remember people saying, you know, Liverpool needs a whole new team. They need, you know, eight, nine new players. And, and Klopp's added to the, to the squad with some good players. But I think he's done really well in just raising the tempo and, and raising the level of the majority of players in that squad. So I think Klopp's done a really good job. You know, it's tough to break into that top four. We, we have seen a couple of teams do it in Leicester and, and Tottenham. Um, I think Liverpool's progression will be a bit more gradual. But um, yeah, they're, they're do, doing really well in the Champions League. And they're pretty much where they should be in the league, I think. You mentioned raising the tempo, so it's maybe a bit of a non-secretor. We're now going to talk about Jordan Henderson, um, <laughs> who I think, I mean, I know you've written a piece about him quite recently as well, and it must be frustrating for Henderson because he's watched both Liverpool and England, um, I think, raise their levels when he's, when he's been left out of the team, effectively. Klopp has said that he is going to feature in this game. Um, 12 months ago, he was almost the cream of the crop there, and now he's, now he's finding himself on the fringes. 
Yeah, it's been uh, it's been quite a, a sudden decline, really. I mean, I do have sympathy with Henderson. He's not a natural holding player. He went there as a right side midfielder or more of a box to box player. Played really well for Liverpool in, in 2014, uh, 2013-14, I should say, with that energy, and, and was very good last season. Um, playing at the bottom of midfield in a side that pressed, but I think because Liverpool haven't pressed as much this year, his job has gone from being getting up tight and closing down high up the pitch to basically screening the defence. And he's not a natural at that. He's never played that role before, um, and I think he's struggling because of that. I think the um, you know the, the caveat here is not sure that Everton, despite their wealth of number tens, will actually be playing a number ten because they played four one four one last week. Uh, Rooney was kind of tapped into a much deeper position. Sigurdsson was drifting inside from the left. So it might be Tom Davis that is, is Henderson's uh, direct opponent. And I think Davis is the kind of player that Henderson should be able to handle. So, um, yeah, I'm not sure that will be a huge issue uh, this weekend, but it's certainly been an issue for Liverpool this season. And surely Liverpool's front uh, front three, I think we can just about call it possibly a front four, uh, if you're including Coutinho, they're going to be looking at the likes of... Um, I think Asher Williams is the obvious one yeah. as someone who they're going to um, probably profit from. I mean, how do you see the tactical ma- matchup working for these two teams? Well, Lind- uh, Liverpool were very interesting last night because they basically played a 4-4-2 um, with those four you mentioned. They'd done this once previously um, away at West Ham where they had a very comfortable win on the counter-attack. Although it wasn't with these four, Oxlade-Chamberlain played on the right uh, that day. I don't think he'll play this weekend. I really fear for Everton, to be honest. I just think that um, you know, they're going to have a really patched up defence. I mean, the Everton of a couple of years ago, you'd say probably the biggest strength was the fullbacks. You know, Baines and Coleman, maybe the best in the division. They've both been out this season. Obviously, Coleman's been out for a long time. Baines, even when he's in, is, is probably not the player of old. So it looks like it's going to be something like Kenny, Keane, Williams, and um, Martina at the back. Um, <laughs> I, I, I'm not really sure which one of them you're going to look to for leadership. As a, I mean, I'm an Oxford fan. We've had one of them play for us in Kenny, and I don't think I'd want the other one in Cuco. So I think that's yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, Martina's struggled. <laughs> you know, whenever I've seen him in his best positions, so he's now going to be on the left, probably up against Mane. If Liverpool play as they did the other day, I mean, you see a, a Merseyside derby and, you know, Allardyce's impact and you think maybe uh, it will be a, a closely fought game. But when you actually look at the teams on paper, you just wonder how Liverpool won't be scoring three goals or more. And you mentioned Allardyce. Uh, this is obviously a great opportunity for him to endear himself to the Everton fans who haven't had much to cheer about this season. Is it a bit early for him to get his, um, you know, his philosophies over? And I mean, I personally think that he's portrayed as this dinosaur. He's lumped into that bracket of managers, the likes of, of, of Pardew and, and Hodgson, which I think is unfair. I think he's he's quite comfortably a step up on those guys. And I think that whilst the his philosophies may not be particularly, you know, novel, I do think that he's got a certain way of way of playing that that suits his teams. Yeah, I agree. I think he's done a pretty good job wherever he's gone, Allardyce. And I don't think there's any reason why, you know, taking over Everton in the position they're in, any reason why that's too big a job for him. Um, I do think it's a little bit early for him to have made the defence settled, really. I think at Crystal Palace last year, he took, you know, three or four weeks before the defence got in shape. I know they kept a clean sheet last week, but it was against a Huddersfield side who haven't scored away from home since the opening day. So I'm not sure we can read too much into that. Um, and I'm not even really sure how um, how well the midfield will be screening the defence this weekend. The one interesting thing um, is that Allardyce hasn't flown to Cyprus with Everton for yeah, the I saw that. Europa League game. <clears> so he, presumably he's been on the training ground with the first team and they'll have, well, they'll have had a, a whole week really to prepare for the game, which is you know, cancelling out the usual disadvantage you have from playing in the Europa League. And are we assuming that set pieces will be some way they're going to try and uh, 
especially Gilfie Sigurdsson, who, if you're not going to make the most of your set pieces, then is there much point in really having him? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think that's probably the one... Uh, the one way Everton can get into this game or get something from this game, haven't really got the tallest team in, in truth, Everton, but they have got a couple of centre-backs, you know, Williams and Keane, I think maybe cause a, cause a few problems, but they don't have a big number nine. They're probably going to be playing Calvert-Lewin. The midfield isn't that tall, so it'll probably be, uh, you know, one off the training ground rather than just pure height and physicality. <laughs> and, and just a brief chat about Rooney. Um, I've, I've said elsewhere that I, uh, whoever's making the decisions behind the scenes uh, for Everton, I'd love to speak to them and find out what the, what the plan is. I mean, is it the, just the fact that their recruitment in the summer was just so, such a scattergun approach? Is that what's left them in this position? I think it was. I mean, I've got some sympathy in terms of, you know, Rooney was the golden boy and I just think the the romance maybe of bringing him home was, was too much to ignore. And to be fair, he's provided some great moments, you know, scored in the first two games of the season, got a hat-trick last week. I do think he causes him problems though, Rooney. I don't think he excels in any one position. I think there's questions about his mobility, um, his discipline. It's, it's nice to have him back there and maybe at this kind of time they do need a leader. Um, but I worry about him and Allardyce, you know, the frustrating thing for me was that when Aldice took over as, you know, very briefly as England manager, um, he was asked about Rooney's best position after his first game and he said, well, it's not for me to tell Wayne Rooney where to play, uh, which is clearly what Wayne Rooney has needed, yeah. someone to tell him where to play. So if Aldice is going to take the same approach to Everton, then uh, you do feel that, you know, things are going to be uh, a little bit fragmented. So I'm sensing we're, we're, we're both siding with the red side of Liverpool here. I mean, how, how do you see it ending up yeah, I think Liverpool are going to score three goals and, you know, they do have the capacity to concede three goals as well, but I'm not sure they do that this weekend. I think this will be a fairly straightforward Liverpool win. My tip here is is quite unimaginative, but I think Mane to score because I think he'll probably start on the right as he did yesterday and be up against uh, Martina. So, uh, you know, you can, you can back any one of them, I expect, any one of those front four to score, probably odds on. Uh, but of the four, I think Mane would be my pick. So Mane to score any time we have at five to four best price with the likes of Skybet, Ladbrokes, Betfair, uh, Paddy Power. So lots of people doing that. Uh, you mentioned you think Liverpool will score um, three goals. That is three to four uh, with Ladbrokes for Liverpool over two and a half. My one that I'm going for, because I do think that I agree with Michael. I think Liverpool uh, could um, really put Everton to the sword. But I think in derby games especially, that could lead to some, some gaps at the back. And I think that Sam would have got them well drilled at their set pieces at least. So I'm going for both teams to score at 13 to five with 10 bet or Sport Pisa. Um, hopefully it'll be a nice little 6-1 win with Manny going on the score sheet and we're both happy I think that'd be ideal 13-5 for both teams to score is pretty good actually 13 to 15, sorry 13-15 oh okay otherwise that would have been an absolute lump yeah, I job I was going to say yeah. um, thank you for correcting me uh, before people go on and start looking for that um, we're moving away from the Premier League now for the last one and um, obviously those two derby games are huge fixtures in the calendar every year but this one in terms I mean this one used to be um, at least and in terms of the Serie A and how it's set out at the moment is a huge huge game Juventus hosting leaders Inter lots of talk so far this season that uh, Napoli and Juve were fighting out in a two horse race but out of nowhere Inter have have come up to usurp them both Juventus will go back to going being top should they win uh, this game is on Saturday Three horse race? Is that how we're looking at it now, do you think? Is this is, is this Inter's chance to show that they can they've got it to, to win the Scudetto? Yeah, definitely. I mean I'd I'd very much have Inter as third favourites, I must say. I think Spalletti's done a really good job to squeeze every 
last drop out of them so far. Um, but it is a three-horse race, and you know it's not often really we've had a proper title race in Italy for the last few years, which is a shame because going back to the glory days, you know, in, in the late nineties, it wasn't just the quality; it was the competitiveness. And uh, Inter were always there or thereabouts in that time before they had that run of of winning under Mancini and Mourinho, and I think they're pretty much at that level again. They're probably going to finish third. But uh, going to Juventus, I think they've got every chance of, um, you know, the game's going to be tight and uh, they've got every chance of coming away with something. And no, obviously no Champions League football for Inter. Um, we saw what happened with no European football. We saw what happened last season with Chelsea. Um, is this a case possibly of that happening again where they're just benefiting massively from having a shocking season the year before? Yeah, definitely. I think they've, um, they've got a very good manager in Spalletti. He's a good tactician. He doesn't have the greatest record in big games, it should be said. So I'm interested to see how he'll play this one uh, this weekend. But yeah, we've seen it before. I mean, we saw it with um, with Conte, his first season, uh, first season at Juventus. They finished seventh the year before. They didn't have European football. And uh, they absolutely stormed the league from nowhere. So yeah, I think that is increasingly um, a factor in terms of preparation for games. Not just physical preparation, but tactical preparation. If you've got the whole week on the training ground with your team, then um, you're going to be better prepared. So interesting, last season, as you say, Spalletti, not the greatest record uh, in big games, but his Roma team did beat Juventus last season at the Stadio Olimpico 3-1. So he's got history beating Allegri. Um, for those of us who, who don't watch a great deal of Italian football, but, but obviously interested in it, what can we expect between this matchup of, of two, you know, currently giants of the Italian coaching game? Yeah, I mean, Juventus are the Juventus we've seen really for the last two or three years. They're very tactically flexible. They've got an excellent defence. They've had some problems in defence this season in terms of the cohesion because they've lost Bonucci to Milan and uh, Alves, of course, went to PSG. So I think they, they've had to kind of, um, you know, work to bring Benascia into the team, who's, who's done quite well so far this year, having previously not looked so good. I think Juventus is always difficult to predict in terms of shape because they can play three at the back, four at the back. Players like Mandzukic, for example, can play in you know left wing or up front. Um, Inter a little bit more predictable. I mean, they've had seven ever presents so far this year. Miranda, the centre back, has only missed one game. It's a pretty standard four-two-three-one system. They defend uh, depend quite a lot on their wide players, which is relatively rare, say for um, Italian size. But Candreva in Paris is really good at getting up and down. And then the flair really comes from Borja Valero, who plays in the number ten position. I'd say quite possibly the most underrated player in European football the last 10 years. Brilliant at Villarreal, brilliant at Fiorentina. Finally had his chance at a really big club. Not so good at West Brom. Not so good at West Brom, actually. <laughs> That's a very good point. Um, but he's the one who brings a little bit of the, you know, he's not maybe a natural number 10. He's more of a, a midfielder than a forward, but he's the one who brings the guile in the centre of the pitch. And uh, looking at Juventus, they, they got to the Champions League final last year. Such dominance in Serie A. Uh, this season's obviously been a bit of a change so far with Napoli and Inter coming in. Is it, it is their position due to um, complacency on their part? Are they, have they fallen back a bit or is it just the teams around them strengthening? It's completely the teams around them strengthening. And I actually looked up the stats for this. They've got 37 points from 15 games so far. The previous three seasons, they had 36, 27 and 36. So compared to their previous seasons, they're on it, really. They're above, uh, ahead of schedule, if you like. It is just the fact that Napoli are a very good team and no one really thought Inter would be up here, but they've they've started really well. So personally, I don't think there's too much to worry about from Juventus's point of view. And we saw against Napoli last weekend, you know, away at Napoli. I had Napoli as, as favourites for that one, but Juventus in big games, they just have the winning mentality. I know it's a bit of a throwaway line, but I think of all the clubs in Europe, 
Juventus are about winning. You know, they don't really care about style. They have players who do a job and, um, you know, Allegri's done a fantastic job there. And the one player that I would, if you are going to tune in Saturday night at 7.45 on BT Sport, um, I would advise you to watch a certain Mauro Icardi pretty closely because the guy is absolutely phenomenal. Uh, 16 goals in 15 games this season in Syria. Uh, he's being linked to pretty much every single big team under the sun. Your Real Madrid, your Barcelona, your Man Cities, your PSGs. Uh, a word on him because he's, I mean, he's 24 years old. He's the real deal, surely, as, a, as, as that number nine. He's a great player and he's certainly a number nine. Um, I'm not entirely convinced about his all-round game. He's clearly a fantastic finisher. There's a little bit of Harry Kane about him in the sense that you really wait to see whether he can do it over two or three seasons, and he has, to be fair. I'm just not really sure which other big clubs in Europe will want a number nine at this at this point, you know, considering they're going to have to play, uh, pay probably 70, 80 million euros for him. I think possibly City if they don't get Sanchez, because it seems... Potentially City, but again, I'd question whether Guardiola would want, you know, such a pure number nine like yeah. Icardi. I think Real Madrid are maybe the one team who, you know, don't necessarily expect um, their striker to be an all-rounder. They're happy with him staying in the box and scoring goals. But certainly in this inter-team, you know, as I say, with Kandreva and Perisic, uh, Perisic getting down the flanks, they get crosses into the box. Juventus is usually good at defending crosses, it should be said, but uh, Icardi is just brilliant at finding half a yard of space. So finally, the last one of the three, how do you see it going? How are the listeners going to make a bit of cash? I think it's going to be really tight um, and I'm going to go for under 1.5 goals Ooh. which is 11 to 4 I just feel like one goal could win this a set piece I think if you look at it from both teams point of view um, Juventus I think will sit deep in counter-attack Inter I'm not sure they'll take the game to Juventus you know Juventus got an incredible record at home over the last few years so I really think one goal could decide it not sure which way it will go I'd if I had to choose I'd go for Juventus but yeah that's my bet 11 to 4 under 1.5 so 11 to 4 that's with Betfred Betbright for a one goal game uh, if it is going to be 1-0 to Juve that is best price 7 to 1 with Marathon Bet if you wanted to put Michael's three tips into an Acker um, that is 22.63 to 1 for the under 1.5 Sadio Mane anytime and Vincent Company to be shown a card that is with Paddy Power Thanks very much for coming on, Michael. I feel far more prepared for this weekend's football having spoken to you about the games. Yeah, nice one. Pleasure. Thanks for having me on. Follow Michael, if you don't already, at Zonal Marking. You can follow me at George Ellick. You can follow Odds Checker at Odds Checker. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast, leave us reviews on iTunes and stay tuned for plenty, plenty more where this came from. <laughs>